Bible tells us, let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. And I am so grateful for mine, and I'm grateful for the one that he's writing of yours. My name is Arnie, and I have a new life in Christ, recovering from pride, arrogance, and seeking identity from people rather than the Lord. I have a particular part of my background that is likely different from yours. That is, unless you worshiped at the synagogue on Friday nights, had a bar mitzvah at age 13, and fasted on Yom Kippur and Rosh Hashanah. Probably not. I grew up in a Jewish home. Though we enjoyed identifying with the rich heritage of being God's chosen people, our Judaism did not seem to inform our lives in a particularly constructive way. Our home environment was not a place of shalom or peace. It could have best been described as chaotic. Wars of words and animated disagreements between my parents were commonplace, and their frequent bouts of conflict produced fear and insecurity in my two sisters and me. When my parents finally divorced when I was 16, I had mixed emotions of resentment and relief, along with a sense of abandonment by my father. A few years later, I grieved his death from a heart attack at age 51. My dad was a proud Marine and an excellent athlete. He taught me a love for sports, and we developed a strong bond through that common interest. Under his coaching and guidance, I experienced success in athletics from an early age, received a scholarship to play baseball in college. Though I had nurtured the hope of playing professionally, my college career was undistinguished, and the dream had melted away. Along with it went my identity and the source of affirmation sports had provided me since my childhood. I had no choice but to go on a desperate search for a new source of significance. It has been said that if you don't find your identity vertically from the Lord, that you will shop for it horizontally from people. Having had no knowledge of a personal God, I went the people route, striving to project images that would somehow distinguish me from the crowd. In the midst of my confusion and inauthenticity, I suffered another significant loss when a girl I was close to died, at cancer, died of cancer at age 23. The cumulative effect of the early unexpected deaths of two people important to me was crushing and only added to my insecurity and instability. With no understanding of why these hardships had been visited upon me and with no worldview that could adequately explain them, I developed a cynicism and a reckless lifestyle designed to insulate me from further pain. I had a long sequence of short-term, inappropriate relationships with women, drank excessively, and adopted an attitude of selfishness, arrogance, and entitlement. Though I wandered in a spiritual desert throughout my early childhood, by God's grace, the passing years had brought some social maturity, and I was able to function effectively in a job I enjoyed. I was a buyer of athletic apparel for a large sporting goods store, sporting goods chain, excuse me, when one day a coworker encouraged me to call a friend of a friend whom she'd met over the weekend. Little did I suspect that the petite, attractive Baptist ballet dancer I was soon to have lunch with would be used by God to change my life and alter my eternal destiny. Nine months from the day of that first blind date, Jan and I were married. Before I continue, it's important that you know that the Bible teaches us God's design for marriage. When the Apostle Paul warns Christians in 2 Corinthians 6 not to be unequally yoked in marriage with unbelievers, he speaks wisdom that is inspired by God. 
The first years of my marriage are evidence of what can happen when this wisdom is not followed. Our marriage was characterized by much pain and conflict, first and foremost, a result of the self-centered, insensitive, unkind, and destructive ways of my unbelieving heart. So please know that God does not desire for a believer to marry an unbeliever. However, in God's kindness, the Bible also says in 1 Corinthians 7 that when this situation exists, God can work through the believing spouse to save the unbelieving spouse. And in our case, by his grace, God did work mightily through my patient and persevering wife. Praise God that he gives provision to us even when we choose our own way. Whenever I would agree to go, Jan would drag me off to a large megachurch near our home in Houston. As the pastor spoke, I was impressed by his passion, conviction, and his eloquence. However, given my secular mindset, I could not understand why he was not employing those talents as a captain of industry, leading a Fortune 500 company, earning a multiple of what I imagined he was being paid by the church. What is this guy thinking, I often thought to myself. Approximately five years into our marriage, I changed careers and we relocated to Dallas, where I established a local office of a national investment firm. I became friendly with the building owner, and one day, shortly after we met, he invited me to a Bible study that met in our building at 6 o'clock on Friday morning. I had no desire to be anywhere at 6 o'clock on a Friday, much less at a Bible study. But since I liked my new friend, I accepted his invitation and showed up at the appointed time. It quickly became apparent that this was an advanced Bible study led by a highly educated scholar. There were roughly 10 participants, most of whom worked in a real estate or in real estate or real estate related industry. As my eyes were spiritually blind, I understood little of the biblical discussion, but I did make one striking observation. The year was 1986 and the real estate market had turned down and was in very poor condition. I could tell from the prayer request that virtually every one of these guys was suffering economically, some of them quite severely. I would project myself in their place and think, if this was me, I would be an emotional wreck. But these guys were not. They had a confidence, a hope, a trust, and a peace that I could not account for. Whatever it was they had, I wanted it, and they pointed me to the source of their hope. In God's providence, he used the grace and kindness I had witnessed and experienced in my wife, the seeds planted by the preacher in Houston, and the tangible living testimonies of the faithful men in the Bible study to draw me into a life-transforming relationship with the Savior. One of the Bible study men discipled me, and slowly but surely, the Lord began to work in my heart. Though the trend line of our marriage was certainly not dramatically up and to the right, we gradually began to relate in more healthy and gracious ways. The valuable difference was and continues to be the presence of God in my life, in my heart, and the authority of God's word is our common standard of truth and conduct. A beautiful and lofty example of this standard is Ephesians 4.32. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another just as God in Christ has forgiven you. It is a simple and succinct verse, yet it has the power to transform not only our marriages, but every relationship we have. I often have considered how my life and the lives of those around me would be impacted 
if by the Spirit's empowerment, I sifted every one of my interpersonal transactions through the filters of kindness, compassion, and forgiveness. I all too often do not. Another powerful truth to me is Romans 5.1, therefore having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. The reason this verse is so personally significant is I have learned that until there is peace with God, there can be no peace of God. And that peace is the transcendent, supernatural peace we all want. It's the peace that is not dependent on external circumstances or how people respond to you, but rather it is the product of an abiding, unshakable conviction that God is sovereign over all his creation, that God is all-powerful, and that everything he brings or allows into the lives of those who trust him is for our good and for his glory. I have found regeneration to be a powerful means to guide us to the source of this incomparable peace. Through his word, it shows us who we are, and it shows us God's amazing provision of a Savior who, though he was without sin, became sin for us and absorbed in his body the penalty that we deserve. He suffered, died, was buried, rose again on the third day, proving that he is God and validating the truth of his word. When we trust in his sacrifice as the fully sufficient payment for our sin, we are forgiven of our sin, declared righteous in his sight, and adopted as his child for this life and for eternity in heaven. His spirit comes to indwell us, and he gives us a new life of peace, power, and purpose. He frees us from enslavement to the destructive instincts and patterns that harm us and damage our relationships. He changes our heart and its desires and meets our every need. So beyond being the means to our salvation, this gospel has the power to inform and transport and transform every part of our lives. It has brought me from the bondage of the law to the freedom of grace. It has enabled me to establish an identity that is rooted not in man's favor, but in my value to my Savior. And it has been the sustenance for our marriage, which by his grace at work in a kind, compassionate, and forgiving wife is currently at 42 years and counting. I am certainly an ongoing, continuing work in process, and I am grateful and encouraged to be on this journey along with you. Regeneration is a remarkably conceived path to a peaceful, impactful, and effective new life in Christ. By pursuing the abundant life Jesus came to give, we are being equipped for a life of blessing not only to ourselves, but to others in our homes and in our spheres of influence. And it is for me a huge privilege to be here on Monday nights interacting directly with many of the most courageous, winsome, honest, and purposeful men I know. Recovery begins the moment we realize that relying on our own power is futile against our sinful, destructive patterns. And why would we ever rely on us when we are indwelled by the power of a God who raises the dead? Welcome to Regen, where God's resurrection power is mightily at work for our good and his glory. My name is Arnie, and I have a new life in Christ, recovering from pride, arrogance, and seeking identity away from the Lord.